2: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law
1: good morning and i indeed uh, am joined by master gardener teresa rooney this morning teresa good morning
0: good morning denny it's wonderful to be with you today
1: and we always welcome your uh, expertise uh, here on a Saturday morning. By the way, for those uh, new to the show, thanks for joining us. We are here with Smart Garden every Saturday, 52 weeks a year, in the 8 o'clock hour, uh, giving you some advice on lawns and gardens. And, uh, boy, as usual, Teresa, it's something you know, you've learned. We tend to get very busy this hour. We do hour.
0: get very busy, yes.
1: And if you have uh, that kind of a question, uh, the same number applies, whether you want to uh, call in and chat with Teresa or send Teresa a text Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Well, I just couldn't wait, Teresa. I was uh, kind of uh, keeping these tomato plants under a grow light
0: oh, in no. the house,
1: and I I planted them two no. days
0: ago. No, oh, per- no.
1: Yes, because I looked. See, I I well, not that other people can't look at the forecast. They can't, but we have overnight lows in some cases from fifty three to sixty three degrees. So, I think we're safe. Knock on wood. I think I'm safe. But anyway, that's something I just uh, I I just wanted to get underway. Speaking of that, there was a text that came in earlier that says, "When can we start seeding our vegetable seeds in our garden?" What do you think?
0: Um, it depends on what they are, but uh, self-seeding anything right now should be fine. Um, things that you want to be doing right now is if you have a lawn, lawn, you might want to go to the University Extension website and look at the lawn care calendar to see what you can do. Um, you can be planting a lot of your vegetables. You can be planting up your containers. Um, and despite what Denny did with his tomatoes, I'd say <laughs> hold up on the tomatoes just because tomatoes and things like squash and peppers, they want really warm soil. So the air temperature is one thing, but the soil is really super important to get that warm. And and if their roots aren't in warm soil, they don't do as well. So they kind of struggle a little bit. That's why that's why we often say, you know, if you can, just hold off on your tomatoes and your warm season crops like your squashes and, and uh, peppers until, say, maybe after Memorial Day. Because then the soil is nice and warm. The soil, if you, when you dig down into the soil, if you touch it, you can feel how cold it is. Just, you know, six, eight inches down, you can feel how cold it is in the soil. Um, so if you can just hold off on that. Otherwise, um, another thing you want to do with all your plants is with all this crazy weather we're having, it's really chilly, it's really hot, it's really dry, just keep an eye on them. That stresses those poor little plants. And if it's going to be really hot, maybe they need some extra water. If it's dry, they need some extra water. If it's really chilly, maybe they need a covering at night. I think we're past the frost, though, because the air is more humid, and we've got a lot more sunshine and everything else. But So I think we're past the physical frost, at least down here in the southern part of the state. But I think you're right. Just, I hope you're right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm hoping, too. So, yeah, so it's, it's perfect time to start seeding your veggies out there. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, I know we have phone callers as well uh, standing in line here, uh, but here's a text that came in earlier, too. How can I stop my monarda from spreading into my other flowers?
0: Okay, that's really super easy. Um, As soon as your monarda finishes blooming, just cut the seed heads off, and it won't sell Now it may do a little runners and what you can do is go out maybe four or five inches around the plant and you can just cut straight down with your shovel. If you find that it's sending suckers a lot, it doesn't usually do that, but it can. Um, So if you're finding it's sending suckers, you can just cut those suckers right off at the ground level and um, what's gone past the part into your garden, past where you've cut down in the shovel, that won't live, that'll die. And it'll just kind of contain those roots a little bit. But if it's not Suckering, just deadhead your flowers. That's a great way to control the spread of anything like flocks or anything in your garden that you see popping up all over the place. Once it flowers, cut off the flower heads when they when they start to brown out.
1: Very good. Back to the phones we go. Nancy is calling in from Edina this morning. Nancy, you're on CCO with Teresa.
0: Hi Teresa and Danny. I have a question on fertilizer. I use Miracle Grow on plants and flowers. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the food, uh, the edible plants, what would you recommend as a fertilizer for that? Something organic, or I, I hesitate to use Miracle Grow with what's in it. I don't know. <laughs> okay, uh, um, that, that's a really good question, Nancy. And Miracle Grow is approved for for edible plants. So you can use it. It'll show on the back that you can use it on vegetable So it is approved for that. Um, however, if you want to use an organic fertilizer, that's certainly up to you. Um, those work just as well, just as fine. Um, it's whatever you're most comfortable with. Um, just always read the labels, and it will say you can use this on a on an edible plant, or you can't use it on edible plants, and it will tell you right away what to do there. Um, and if um, sorry about that, uh, when you're fertilizing, consider when you're going to harvest the plant, whether it's an herb which you normally don't fertilize, or anything else in your vegetable garden. You want to fertilize, say after you've harvested because then in case there is any some people have really good taste buds and they might taste something different in it but it won't impact the 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 plant so harvest and then fertilize or if you're not going to harvest for a month or two go ahead and fertilize it it's just perfectly fine but either one will work Mm -hmm.
1: good all right thanks nancy Uh, Let's see. I know we have to break soon, but I'm going to get Ron's uh, phone call in here. Ron in Minneapolis, you are on CCO with Teresa Rooney.
3: Hey, Ron. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. This is a follow-up to the fertilizing. I've got a number of uh, shrubs uh, that have been established for morning. This is a follow-up to the fertilizing. I've got a number of uh, shrubs uh, that have been established for about five years, all of them, three to five years. And hydrangea, lilacs, cotton easters. And every spring I put a slow release granular in the dirt, uh, Mm -hmm. 464. Do I, I mean, they look terrific already. Should I still do that every spring?
0: You have to. Uh, What you could do instead is top dress with a little compost, um, or you can fertilize. Shrubs don't normally need a fertilizer. They should be getting all the nutrition they need from the soil. And if you can amend the soil with a compost, uh, that that can create a nice little mulch, or or you can use that instead, and then you don't have to worry. Uh, The only thing you might want to consider if your hydrangeas are susceptible to the pH scale, and you want to change the color of the bloom, then you may have to amend the soil such to change. Change it more acidic for blue, or leave it more alkaline uh, for the pink. If it's one of those that changes color and is not impacted by that, and, but you you don't have to sh- uh, to um, to fertilize. No, they're fine. All
1: right, good. Uh, let's do this and get it over with. <laughs> because what can I, you know what I'm going to say? It says what can I, I do what about say. what can I do about creeping Charlie? <laughs>
0: Isn't Creeping Charlie a wonderful little plant? Okay, it really so is. It really is. But in places, if you don't want Creeping Charlie, there are some options. When it's blooming, that's a good time to use a, you can always pull it out by hand. Anytime. That works. You just have to keep at it and keep at it and keep at it. And then the areas where you have pulled it, you may want to put a mulch over so that the, any seeds left of the soil don't come up. You also want to consider why is Creeping Charlie there? Is it because it's really shady and you're trying to grow grass? That's not going to work. Something wants to to grow there instead of grass. So you may want to consider that to change the situation. Or you can use uh, chemical uh, herbicides on Creeping Charlie. Just make sure that they do say that Creeping Charlie is one of the weeds listed for use and read all the instructions because some of those chemicals can move through the soil and impact tree roots and things like that. So they'll say don't use over tree roots. You do have to watch that. The best times to use uh, chemical fertilizers are, or, I'm sorry, chemical herbicides uh, are when the flower is blooming, and then again in the fall, you can use it after light frost. The plant is more able to take down the chemical and bring it into the root and kill it.
1: Very good. Thanks Creeping for the Charlie.
0: Charlie question,
1: Charlie. Yeah, like some people say, they'll text in once in a while. They'll say, "Well, I use it for tea." Because it's—is uh, it not? You guys have told me it's part of the mint mint family,
0: right? Part of the mint family, yep. And if you enjoy that flavor, go ahead.
1: Go go for it. All right, uh, Teresa. We need to take a quick break here. We have more Smart Garden show coming up. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six is the phone number. It's also the text number, and we have plenty of both right now. So we'll be back. Fifty-two degrees here in the Twin Cities. Let's see, what is our high today uh, for those wondering? I'm sorry, it's 54 now. We're going to near 73, but 77 tomorrow, maybe 80 on Monday. Stay with us here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around on Saturday mornings, every Saturday here on CCO in the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming your lawn and garden questions this morning for Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Uh, Let's mention at this point, Teresa, uh, the uh, University of Minnesota's website, which is a great resource, uh, especially if you did not get your questions answered today, excuse me, or each week. That's a good resource.
0: It's a wonderful resource. That's extension.umn.edu. And then just kick on click on the lawn and garden section, and they have so much information there. Uh, There's how to plant, what is my plant doing, what's wrong with my plant, lawn care. There's a Yard and Garden News with great articles in there that are very timely. It's just amazing the things you can find on there. And so if we don't get to your question today or I didn't expand on it enough, please go to the Yard and Garden section.
1: Yeah, we'll mention that before Teresa leaves us today too uh here's a text and then we'll go back to the phones uh good morning it says we planted a prairie fire crabapple last spring it did what trees do beautifully this spring only the bottom two to three branches leafed out near the trunk everything above those branches appears dead there was some light damage from deer scraping the trunk and eating tips of the branches do we give it time say goodbye might it grow back if we cut off the top
0: you, you have some options there, so you don't have to make a decision right away. Uh, first of all, if it's still under warranty, you can call the place you got it from and ask them what they would like you to do next what you can do is those branches that didn't leaf out you can take your pruners or you can even just take your fingers and just bend the end of the branch if it snaps off it's dead and you can go back cut and cut and cut till you find green wood if it's dead all the way probably the rest of the tree above is dead also at that point you can chop top it and just go back down to where it's alive and it will then send up. Um, one of the branches will become the dominant leader, and it will start to turn up and become, so your tree will have a crooked uh, leader. It will it'll kind of bend, but it will, it should come back for you. And then just remember the deer were there, so you want to protect it next fall and just, just protect it. You don't have to fertilize or anything like that. Just keep it well watered. If you want to top dress lightly with compost, you can do that. Okay. Good luck with your crab apple. And the crab apples should be blooming at the Arboretum now just beautifully.
1: Oh, yeah. you got to get to the Arboretum. <laughs> what a great place. Uh, let's go back to the phones, Teresa. John, I believe, is waiting there in Wilmer to ask you a question. John, thank you. You're on with CCO with Teresa.
3: Good morning. Hey, Say, using a blue person particle it's called Nym Bliss Oil it's organic grower grower's favorite oil, we're using our apple trees. Any suggestions how often we should use it and when to start using it?
0: Oh, um, my cat took my uh, my things out of my ear. Can you repeat? Yeah, I got the end of the. Apple. What 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 question are you asking on it?
3: I'm... We just purchased a product called NEM Bliss Oil. N E E M. NEM. Okay. using it for on our apple trees. Okay. How often
0: and when should we start using it? Well, first of all. I would wonder why you want to use it, um, the, 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 and I don't mean that in a bad way. You need to figure out why you're using it. So, what is the product sold as? Is it sold to prevent something? And if it's sold to prevent something, have your has your tree ever had that issue before, like apple scab or or anything like that? If you haven't run into the problem, you don't need to worry about it until you can prevent until you know it, and then the next year you can start to prevent it. Um, so so i first of all figure out why you're using it and what what you're using it for and that will tell you when to apply it okay but i'm not sure if i'm answering your question but You you just don't want to apply a product without knowing what it's supposed to do. So what is it supposed to do? Is it supposed to stop something? Then you want to know, do I have that problem? And if my tree has that problem, is it okay to use it now? Or do I need to wait for the next season and use it as a preventative?
1: Uh, you always recommend it, and John probably did this, but there's always the directions. Make sure you always read, read the your directions.
0: directions. Yep, yep. Because some, sometimes, and it could be possible that, that the uh, the place they got mm-hmm. the tree from said to use this product, but maybe didn't give them good instructions.
1: Sure. And if that's
0: the case, I would go back to the nursery and say, okay, I, I got this neem oil. What am I supposed to do with it, and why am I using it? Because you, as the consumer, are totally entitled to know that information.
1: Yep, absolutely. Listener wants to know, is now a good time to transplant bleeding heart?
0: If it's blooming, no. If it's stopped blooming, yes. If it's the bleeding heart, the fringe bleeding heart that hasn't bloomed yet, you can go ahead and transplant it. You, you don't want to transplant a plant if it's blooming unless you absolutely have to because it's it's using its nutrition to bloom. And all of a sudden now it has to use its nutrition to do new roots and it kind of gets confused. So wait till it finishes blooming and then transplant it. All
1: right, we'll see how... how are uh, uh, other plantings for those that couldn't wait like me? By the way, those tomato plants I planted, they're can in containers, not in oh, the garden. Oh,
0: you'll be fine then. You'll be fine. The container good. is really warm. You'll be fine. Good. Then. I can
1: sleep. I can sleep tonight. That's
0: you good. Can all right. Good. You can uh, and, and that took a big weight off of my shoulders. So
1: so all right. <laughs> Thanks, Teresa. Teresa, hang on. We're going to look at that The warm-up forecast. That's coming okay. up next, and then we'll uh, have another half hour of the Smart Garden Show here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Stay with us. 54 degrees. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Uh, Master Gardener Teresa Rooney helping you out uh, this morning. We are here every Saturday, by the way, in the 8 o'clock hour uh, here on CCO. We have, as usual, Teresa, a lot of callers, a lot of texters, which means more business. I did get a uh, text. See if I can find it. We were talking about the uh, the Arboretum. Mm-hmm. And if I can find it here, it really uh, puts a nice – oh, here it is. My son took me to the arboretum for Mother's Day. I have to say it was ex- exquisite, or exquisite if you prefer, to say the least. The tulips were breathtaking. Go to the arboretum, people. <laughs> that was the texture.
0: And Go remember, you, to... do need, you do still need a reservation at yes, the arboretum, and that's a good take point. your camera with you. They, they start those tulip displays. They're starting next year's now, figuring out color schemes and things like that. So there's a lot of work that goes into that.
1: Just go west on Highway 5 to uh, 41, and you'll see it off to the left there in the, the
0: kind left, of kitty yep. corner. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Let's get back to the phones. Helen is calling in from mayor, I think, uh, this morning. Helen, thanks for waiting. You're on with Teresa.
0: Hi, Helen. Thank you for taking my call. I have two questions. My lawn, what happened over winter? It is just like a, a bunch of humps, and <laughs> it's just so uneven. It, <laughs> Okay, so what happened there, you could have grubs. It could be a, a result of grubs. They did do a little news article in the, on the extension website, uh, bumpy lawns, and you may want to look at that in the yard and garden news. That's really, um, very, could be very helpful for you. Um, pretty much it's just cleaning up the dead stuff and, and, uh, reseeding. Uh, what, what you could be seeing there is because some of the, some of the, um, the uh, grubs in that they're they're under the soil and then you have critters come in try to dig them up to eat them so so it kind of makes a whole mess of the lawn and my other question is about tulips how soon can you dig out the tulip bulbs when do they do that at the arboretum <laughs> Pretty much the Arboretum, they use those as annuals, so they just will be throwing them away. So that's how they use them. But you don't have to dig your tulip bulbs up unless you want to move them somewhere else or you're dividing them for some reason. Otherwise, they can stay in the ground forever and ever and ever. If you do want to dig them up, I would dig them up as soon as the foliage starts to die back or even as soon as they're done flowering and then leave the foliage on them. That way you can still see where the tulip is, dig way down and pull it up because you don't want to cut into the tulip bulb, and then just move it to where you want to move it. But you don't have to dig them up and store them or anything. All right. Good
1: luck. Listener says, other than having to hire a lawn service, is there an easy way for me to free my lawn of dandelions which have taken over this spring?
0: Well, yes, Uh, you you could spot treat them. Uh, Dandelions don't a lot unless they go to seed. So do deadhead the dandelions as soon as they finish blooming. They're a good pollinator food. Uh, dandelions are usually found in compacted soils where the grass isn't doing so well. So you may want to consider uh, using something to to release the compaction of your soil. Uh, one of those uh, machines that pull the cores up, do a core aeration. You might want to do that. Again, I would suggest going to the, arbor- to the um, extension.umn.edu and then click on the lawn questions and they'll be able to help you with a lot of questions there but it's going to be a little bit of work unless you just say hey i like dandelions and once they finish blooming cut off the seed heads and let them go then that will be fine too or you can always dig them up
1: that's true labor of love
0: labor of love (laughs)
1: But the bees like them too, I understand.
0: The, the bees like them and in, if it's a lawn that that isn't being used by pets or anything like that, the new dandelion greens are very tasty in salads also. That? So sometimes the best way to get rid of weeds is to eat them, but not always.
1: You can always have some uh, creeping charlie tea along with that.
0: You could uh, you could make <laughs> some dandelion wine and have some uh you know, dandelions uh some braised dandelion greens. Yeah, you could really get into this.
1: Let's hear from Al, who's calling in from Pine County this morning. Al, thanks for waiting. You are on CCO with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney.
0: Hi, Al.
3: Hi. Uh, How do I uh, keep grass out of my asparagus and rhubarb?
0: So so what you can do is... If you make a good boundary around those areas, uh, do a little trench so the grass can't jump over. Once the grass is in there, hand pulling it would be the best way. You can use a grass killer with your rhubarb, but not with your asparagus. So I would, I would just hand pull it out then and keep a nice mulched area around. That will prevent some of the grass seeds from sprouting and other weed seeds from sprouting. But you can just do a trench where you just cut a little bit down, maybe three, four inches with your shovel. On the outside edge, it would be a very straight line, and then it would be like a mound into the rhubarb bed or into the asparagus bed, if you can picture that. It's like a V with one straight line and a curved line, and the curved line is going into the bed. That straight line prevents the grass from creeping over.
1: Okay. What, my listener says this, what might cause small, slightly curled leaves in, a, in tomato seedlings? All eight varieties are affected. I used LED grow lights.
0: Hmm. I'm not sure. I don't want to guess wrong there. Uh, I would, I would go to the, to the extension website and see if there, there are some curly, there are some diseases that call curl cause that it could be a temperature fluctuation, but I don't know for sure, so I don't want to lead you astray. So I would I would go to the. To the extension website, or what you can do is, if you're really bored today, from 11 to 12:30, uh, the Hennepin County Master Gardeners have a virtual information booth, and you can find that on Hennepin Master Gardener website, and you can go to the virtual information booth. You can also send pictures if you go to the extension.umn.edu, go down to Ask a Master Gardener, and that's the link, and you can send a picture, and then they can research it for you. I don't right. have a good answer right now. But I'm sorry.
1: Let's see. Back to the phones we go. Bill is calling in from Minnetonka this morning. Bill, you're on CCO. Good morning.
0: Hi, Bill. morning. Uh, hi.
3: I've got a couple of green, or, uh, buckthorn questions. I've researched a lot about it, and I try and mechanically pull them as much as I can, but I live in a sea of buckthorn, and some are pretty big, so I've been cutting them back. Uh, they say the best time is the winter, uh, late winter or uh, fall and putting the spot tree with glyphosate, but I'm still having like 50 percent come back, um, which then becomes like a bigger problem, a bigger bush. Second question is, they are providing me some privacy. Is it okay to just cut out the female and leave the male since uh, whatever because they are some privacy? And third question is, I'm trying to restore it. What are some understory? trees and shrubbery that I can put in there that'll take that dry shade.
0: So there's a lot, a lot of there to, uh, to unpack. First of all, buckthorn is invasive, so if possible, I would get rid of all of it. Keep the treatments doing that you're doing. Uh, sometimes even once you apply the glyphosate, if you put like a coffee can over it, it prevents sunlight, and and so anything that comes up comes up hopefully under the coffee can, and then can't get any photosynthesizing going on. But that's a big problem. There's huge roots. They have a lot of carbohydrates. They can keep coming back and coming back. They only can absorb so much of the poison into the system, so it only kills so much of them. So it's it's a long process. And then remember that when you had the buckthorn there, when you have it, there's a seed bank of buckthorn berries just waiting to grow, buckthorn seeds just waiting to grow. And the more you disturb the soil, the more you're going to find those little seedlings starting up, and you have to be really diligent about pulling those out. Uh, as for replacing them with plants under dry shade, the extension website has a great article on things to replace with buckthorn. And so oh, things to replace for buckthorn. Uh, so that will be very helpful with you, for you there. Uh, you know, Service berry and other understory trees will be very helpful for you in the viburnums and things like that. They will have to be taken care of extra special because it's a dry shade, so you need to give them some extra water. Now, I understand the privacy issue. So what you, what you can do, uh, what may help is uh, plant some, if it's not too shady, you could plant some tall ornamental grasses. That will give you some height right away. It gives you a little bit of privacy because your eye goes up to the grass and sort of stops and doesn't, uh, you have to force it to go on. That may help you with some of that. Uh, otherwise, just... You know, the quicker you can bite the bullet, get rid of all of the buckthorn, and then you can start on your next next uh, rejuvenation of your lawn. And good luck, because that's a, that's a long, hard fight. And But you can do it. All good right. Good luck,
1: Bill. I know we have to take a break, but let's do this. Uh, let's grab another phone call before we take that break. I think Beverly and Egan is still there. Beverly, are you there? And thanks for calling.
3: Um. um we have a very old... Burning bush on the east side of our house that's gone through two bad winters. I'm wondering if we cut it way down, will it produce new regrowth?
0: It 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 probably will. Okay, I would give it a. Sh- uh, they did hit the – I know I lost my burning bush two years ago from the bad winter, and a lot of people did at that time. So the fact that yours even came back at all, good for you. But I would cut down anything that's dead and old and and give it a re, really good rejuvenation, give it some extra water, just some extra care, no fertilizer, but just take care of it. And good luck, Beverly.
1: All right. Let's take a quick break. We have more show to come, our Smart Garden Show, every Saturday the 8 o'clock hour here On News Talk 830, WCCO, and the current temperature reading, uh, 54. We're on our way to uh, near 73 today, but maybe Monday we could hit 80. Stay with us here on WCCO. Master Gardener Teresa Rooney answering your lawn and garden question this morning on CCO's Smart Garden Show. Uh, Teresa, we have callers and we have texters yet to go here, so let's see how many folks we can help out before you okay, take your hey, leave. Okay,
0: Jenny, before we yeah. do that, can I just sure. remind all the fishermen out there and fisherwomen, when you have your live bait and you're done, you throw it away, don't put it in the ground or drop it in the lake.
1: Oh, throw good it in point. The trash.
0: Throw it in this, the trash, please.
1: This is opening weekend for sure. Good it advice.
0: Is, it is, yep. And go right, fish. I mean, go fish. I'm a vegetarian, so
1: go fish. <laughs> go fish. Let's go to the phones, uh, Teresa. Brent is calling in from Roseville this morning. Brent, thank you. What is That's your great. question? Good morning.
3: I've got a large global U, and it's about seven, six feet high and kind of cross. It's old. It's done well over the years, but it's gotten so big it's starting to block uh, part of uh, side of my house. Yep. And I want to trim it, but I guess it's I'm going to have to trim it back quite a bit. And I'm just wondering, is that something that's just not going to work, going to kill it? Because I'll have to trim it at least a foot.
0: Um, you can go ahead and trim it. What I would try to do, though... My- Trim it the minimal amount, and what you want to do is try to open it up so it can get some light inside of it, and that light will activate any growing points so that you're not having like big dead spots. So when you do trim it back, those little growing points will be activated, and then you'll have green still on the outside. Um, And this is just another suggestion. When you plant a plant, always make sure you know how big it's going to be, and and prune it every year so it doesn't get really big and out of hand. Just Then you'd have to do a massive pruning, so a little bit every year. But, yep, go ahead and try it because you don't want your house wrecked. And, yep, go ahead. Go ahead and prune it.
1: Well, if you can answer this question successfully, people would be the path to your door. Oh, my goodness. It says, ideas, now keep in mind, this is without a fence, putting up a fence. Ideas for keeping deer, critters, and rabbits for eating flowers without putting up a fence. What do you think?
0: There's some options there. Uh, You can use a lot of herbs. Herbs will fragrance the air and disguise the the other plants that could be there. Uh, Grasses are something that most of these deer and rabbits don't want to eat. They want broadleaf plants. So you can plant ornamental grasses and then plant your special plants maybe inside or behind the ornamental grasses. And say you have hostas. Now, this technically isn't a fence, but if you, if you can imagine you're at the circus and you see the high trapeze act and they have that net below, imagine putting a net like that, similar to that, over your hostas. You just put four stakes drape a little deer um, cloth or bird netting over it. It can even fall in front of it, and the stakes should be higher than the hostas, and that will protect the hostas. And then once the hostas are big enough and the deer have found other things and the bunnies have found other things, you can take that netting off, or you can leave it on all season if you want because it kind of just disappears and your eyes stop seeing it. So technically, that wasn't a fence. You can also use, there's a lot of... Uh, repellents that act with um, fragrance. Uh, they act with a smell. Fragrance is good, smell is bad, so they act with the smell. And you need to change those up, though. So every three to four weeks, you need to be changing them up. Maybe it's blood meal, and then maybe it's a, a, a pepper with rotten eggs, and then maybe it's a real bad coyote smell or something like that. You need to keep changing that up because the deer and the rabbits get used to it. They say, I smell this all the time. Nothing ever bad happens, so I can come in here and eat your buffet.
1: Okay. Is it okay? But, but you don't pl- have
0: to beat a path to my door.
1: Please oh, okay. Don't. Please please don't, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cauliflower plants, okay to plant now? Yes. Okay. Ken, there's another one. Uh, can I cut back uh, a rose bush now that's about six feet tall? Uh,
0: yes, you could. If if you need to, sure.
1: Okay. Uh here's another one. My raspberries have gotten the larvae from a fly. How can I stop the fly from laying eggs in the berries?
0: Oh the spotted Dracilla. Um spotted winged Dracilla. Uh I would go to the extension website on that one. You can put netting over them, but then the insects can't get in to pollinate. Uh, What you have to do is um, harvest the berries very frequently. You don't want any of them to be really ripe on the bush, and you don't want any falling on the ground. You want to keep harvesting very frequently. Um, The spotted wing drusilla is is becoming quite a problem and i would definitely go to the extension website extension.umn.edu and then click on yard and garden and go to the to the problem area and they have some other ideas we're still working on it though we're still working on it
1: okay this listener wants you to tell us more about not fertilizing herbs
0: oh okay well herbs are usually plants that that like a leaner soil so they don't need fertilization. Um, if you're going to fertilize them, though, understand that you're eating the herb for all the essential oils and the flavor it gives you. So you want to fertilize after you've harvested your crop and then you harvest again in another month or something. And by that time, any any strange taste or any change in the flavor will have dissipated. Um, I'm not saying you can't fertilize your herbs, but most of the time they don't need fertilizing, especially those herbs like the rosemarys and oreganos and things like that. They're really strong. The mints are really strong. They really don't need any fertilization. Compost can always be added.
1: All right. We have exactly two minutes to go on the show, Teresa. My hibiscus buds are being snapped off the plant before they flower. I understand it's an insect that's doing it. What treatment can I use on the plant?
0: I don't know offhand. I would have to go to the website for that one. Because okay. I don't think you want to cover your plant with a floating roll cover.
1: Well, actually, this is a good point maybe to mention. For those that uh, have not tried that great website, uh, extension.umn.edu. That's the University of Minnesota website. Just a great resource. And you mentioned it earlier, Teresa, but folks that want to get their lawn in order, order uh, they've got a great uh, a section there that kind of gives you the kind of a play-by-play throughout the seasons.
0: They do, and it explains why do you do this at this time and why do you do this at this time and why you shouldn't do this at this time. So it's it just gives you that little bit of information that, oh, I don't want to fertilize because it's hot. The plants are stressed. I don't need to stress more with fertilizer.
1: Here's a question. Here, I'll give you 30 seconds. Okay. How do I how do I stimulate a newly transplanted rhubarb plant?
0: Uh, just keep watering it, and if you top just with a little compost, you don't want to fertilize anything that's newly planted.
1: Okay, maybe we do have time for another one here. Let's see. Is it too late to trim dogwood bushes?
0: Nope. Go ahead and trim them.
1: Uh, I spot spray my dandelions. They half die, but they still bloom the, uh, their seeds. What am I doing wrong? Texter wants to know.
0: You want to make sure that when you're spot spraying, it is a chemical that can be used on dandelions, that you're using it and it doesn't wash off. The dandelions are actively growing. Uh, once the dandelion, if, it, if that dandelion plant continues to bloom, then just snap off its head and you may need to spot treat, spot right. treat again. They have really deep roots, so they have a lot of energy there.
1: Thanks, Teresa. Always a pleasure. Let's do this again. Good luck, everybody.
0: Have a good
1: week. You too. Master Gardener, Teresa. We're going to get those home improvement questions ready for Andy Lindis next hour here on CCO.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.